Welcome to this, the latest Future Farm Resilience podcast from NIAB, working in conjunction with AKC and Savills. I'm really pleased today to be joined by David Heiner, who's a researcher in personal effectiveness. And we're going to be talking about the topics that relate to how we deal with change as individuals as we go through this and uh, sort of the transition in agriculture. And this is great because it fits in really well with the R, the resilience word that's uh, that's in the title of the podcast. So, um, David, I think probably where I'd like to start is actually what is personal effectiveness? <laughs> I, I'll happily answer that one, Will. But first of all, thank you very much for inviting me on. Really looking forward to this. So uh, what is resilience? Was that? Yeah. What is personal? What is personal effectiveness and what is resilience? OK, well, resilience is our ability to put it in simple terms. It's bounce back ability. It's our ability to stand up, brush yourself down, look the problem in the eye and go, is that all you've got? And keep going. Um, personal effectiveness is ways of us thinking and behaving day to day, minute by minute, hour by hour, week by week, that enable us to be either more productive, profitable, happier, successful in whatever measurement we as an individual have for that so that's not just things that relate to business, is it? Because that can be as no. much in your personal life. That might be, I was just thinking, as you were saying there, about the ability to bounce back. I'm, I'm thinking of my attempt once at playing rugby, which was there was less bouncing back going on than there probably should be. But there could be a lot of sort of sporting <laughs> analogies you could come to here about your ability to come back from a setback, maintain that ability to sort of keep fighting against sort of a, a little setback but also you know these are things that could happen in how we deal with challenges in our family lives how we Absolutely. deal with sort of how we how we got help other people that we work with socially how we in sports teams in work there's so many different angles on this aren't there? It, it, it is a massive subject and the answers to whether it be personal or business that the answers of how to be more effective and more resilient are kind of the same in each area so if you you know the more you develop the skills in one it actually helps you in the other as well hugely hugely it's about if anyone's familiar with the word congruent it, it's about us being congruent i.e it's it's about being who you really are as much of the time because if you're being who you really are life tends to get a bit easier <laughs> well, I think I, th I, mean, I think most of us are in favour of an easy life. So this this immediately sounds. I mean, I don't think many people go. Well, I tell you what, I just want to make it harder. Yeah. Um, so well, I mean, we don't want to, but you'd be amazed how many of us do. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it's it's perhaps easier if we. So I mean, that that if if we think about some of the things that you know, this audience here being a farming based audience, uh, and you think mm -hmm. about yeah, you know, farms. We've got a lot of family based businesses. Uh, we've got a lot, they're often small businesses. Um, there are lots of challenges that, that come with scale of business, come with dealing with, you know, in a corporate environment, you might just have employees and peers who you don't have an emotional connection to as a family, but then in a farming yeah. business, you, uh, and as well as lots of other small sector industries, you've got, you know, a family dynamic, you maybe live at work. So do you ever leave work? Do you, do you stop working? Do you see that sort of combination as requiring of any particular skills or is it that actually the skills required are the same regardless of whether you're in a sort of the, the more corporate environment or just deal with family alone when you combine all these things? Is, is it a different requirement on individuals? I, I think the skills that you apply to be more resilient and productive um, are the same, but 
in a job where the word vocation is trotted out, such as farming being one of them, um, a teacher or a nurse or a doctor being, you know, others, anything that's called a vocation, it tends to become part of your identity. So most other people will say, this is my job. If you ask a farmer who they are, they'll say, I'm a farmer. Sometimes before they'll say a father, a husband, a wife, yeah. <laughs> you know, a friend. Yeah. 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 Whereas most people, if you say, you know, who are you? I say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm Dave, little fat guy from Birmingham. Um, <laughs> if you say, what do you do? Ah, well, that's different. But whereas farmers typically will identify themselves as a farmer first. Yeah, it's part of their identity. It's quite an interesting point around sort of vocation, because actually a lot of these vocations you just mentioned are also very challenging jobs, mm. nurses, yep. teachers, uh, but often not terribly well rewarded yep. jobs as well. Um, so I, you, you have to have a love, I guess, for what you're doing in order to be able to sustain the energy as well. And as we chatted about before we came live on air, um, some of the challenges are not self-imposed you know in all of those things that we just mentioned be it nhs teaching armed forces farming there is there are many many external factors causing the stress that the farmer is not necessarily in control of you know it used to be that teachers and the nhs were the political football but right now more than ever in my lifetime and i'm only only 56 years of age but farming is a political football like i've never seen it before and farmers quite rightly they're not politicians most most farmers that i've met in the most last people two, aren't yeah, yeah. <laughs> most people in the last two or three years in the farming industry i've come across and spoken to tend to go we just want to be left alone to grow things and feed animals and and put food on your table three times a day we don't really want all this attention and change and talk about budgeting and finances and we don't we don't really want all this what we want to do is make a difference and just be left alone to do what we do best and and that's hard when the government use you as a football that's really interesting but being left to do what we do best and that's probably something that actually a lot of people would wish for in all sorts of careers and parts of their um, yeah. life but i want to pick up on another word you used in in there which was change Mm -hmm. and change to me is quite a it, it, it's an interesting sort of topic because we we're at a time when we've got we always have changes happening so you i was about to say we're at a time of change well we're always at a time of change because there's always change happening but we've got a very fast paced change at the moment in terms of policy we've obviously had brexit not that long ago which brings about yeah. lots of policy changes that's not a comment on whether it's good or bad it's just a statement of that that, that brings about change covered um, yourself well there will and uh, <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to have to be edited out you know this um this is there's changes having that there's changes in particularly the environmental regulatory side as well as actually i mean most people i don't i think want to do the right thing by the environment but then you get government changes all of a sudden you know just in the last few weeks or days even we've had changes in relation to nutrient neutrality rules we've had changes yeah, yeah. That are coming on biodiversity net gain rules developers um issues there there's then you know all this stuff about water companies that's been going on and that's some of that's relevant to, to farmers as well so You've got all sorts of different areas of quite fast move change. How do we 
equip ourselves to deal with change because that strikes me as one of the greatest challenges for an individual is overcoming and getting comfortable with change and then being able to embrace change rather than fear it okay most people don't fear failure what most people fear is a lack of approval and acceptance control security we all fail regardless of whether we play safe and set realistic targets for ourselves or whether we set colossal game industry changing goals we're all going to fail occasionally anyway and so it's not necessarily failure that we fear so if if we look at why we struggle with change it's because we don't like it we don't like change we want things to be the way they are it's part of i mean it does make things difficult i mean if everything could just stay i mean if the weather just stayed the same from one day to the next you'd know whether to take an umbrella or not you know it, it would make it much easier well preferably not if it was raining every day but um to, so to be to be more resilient in change we need to consider what really effective people do so rather than look up to these people and, and i'm quoting a, a great british athlete from the 1980s now chris akabusi because i <laughs> I, interv- I interview successful people well that's what i do as a researcher trying to understand how they think and behave and when i interviewed chris akabusi he says dave don't look up to people look into them and i thought oh that's good what does it mean and he said he said he said, he said, he said, he said, he said i'm not tall enough <laughs> If somebody is truly outstanding at the thing you want to be good at, don't go, oh, well, it's all right for them. It's different here or different for me, which I've heard farmers trot out many times. Um, What we need to do is go and perhaps buy them a coffee and a sandwich or a piece of cake and sit them down in the local boozer over a pint and say, how do you think and behave in that situation? And ask, can I do that? Because the the level of assumptions that are being made about change change will be bad it means this and then we won't be able to do that and that will happen and the yield will go down and the when actually what we're doing is catastrophizing because the truth is that most of the farmers i've met are actually some of the most resourceful capable intelligent people with huge transferable skills you know you give a farmer a a twig and a piece of string and he'll fix a tractor with it you know and i mean awe of the transferable skills a farmer has most farmers have got what it takes or have got friends who could tell them this is what it takes to overcome any problem brought about by change and especially post covid the lockdown i interviewed some business leaders And they were nearly all in agreement that you've got to decide if you want to deal with change, you've got to become one of two people and you need to make a decision. And you need to lead or follow. And if you follow, you need to accept that it might be all right in the end. And it might not be. But by following, you're at the whim of other people's intentions and goals and plans and agendas. He says, so. If you choose to lead, you need to get out your own way. And I think this is still relevant, but this this was sort of back in 2021. Um, they, they said three things overwhelmingly. They said, you need to be visible. Stop hiding. You need to start not, not in an extrovert or a show off or entertaining way. I don't want people to start going, hey, look at me, aren't I good? You know, <laughs> doesn't doesn't look good in a moleskin gilet but um what what we need to do is actually start being quite proud of what we achieve on the farms 
we need to start looking at best practice and modeling it and not hiding away or being too arrogant to assume we can learn. So we need to be visible. We need to be out there. If you're worried about who's going to run the farm, how am I going to grow my team? Well, it's about being visible. Maybe go to the local agricultural college, six forms universities, and stand in front of them in your underwellies and say, this is why you should have a career on a farm. This is what agriculture really is about. Because most people have got massive assumptions about what farming's all about. As, as we probably have about all sectors, anything we don't know about, we have to make assumptions about. Uh, yeah. By, yeah. By, by, by default. But it's interesting, you, Pilo, is actually what you're, I suppose what you're saying is actually going out there to attract people to you. rather yeah, be a than, leader. Ra, ra, rather than wait for people to come to you. Yeah. Which, if they don't know you're there, they're never going to come to you anyway. So in the lead or follow, you know, you either place an advert in the local rag and hope the phone rings or you go and find the right people. Lead will follow. So visible is, visibility is the first thing. The second thing was keep making decisions. Uh, I'm minded of an interview I did with world record breaking, world renowned um, mountaineer, Nigel Vardy. Um, he's called Mr. Frostbite because he fell off a mountain in Alaska and nearly died. Um, <laughs> it, this, this is something that my decision, I would have made a decision, which is just not to risk it. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, risk. We'll go on to that one, if you remind me. But, yeah. um, but and, and he went on to be the first Briton and the first disabled person to climb the seven highest mountains of the world. The guy is incredible. And he said, when you're on a mountain, if you're leading a party, if you stop making decisions, you'll die. Yeah, you yes, can, yeah. It's, you know, it's okay to make a not so good decision because you can stop, retrace, go back and adjust. But to stand still on a mountain, you'll it's die. Dangerous. Keep making decisions. And you know what? That is true in every industry I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, the last thing is you've got to be more empathic. Um, farmers that I have seen, not all of them, by any stretch, I'm stereotyping, forgive me, Will, and forgive me those listening to this, but a lot of farmers can appear quite bullish, aloof, um, pragmatic to the point of blunt, and, and actually the people entering the workplace today, the next generation, they're going to look at you not as potentially... A cash cow for them they're going to look at you in terms of what are your environmental credentials do you care about the team are they happy working here and 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 there is a little throw aside in every industry i have looked at um, and paul harris my colleague he, he backs this up totally is that the reason most people leave a job isn't because they're not good enough or the work's not good or the even the environment or the, what isn't good it's because of the attitude of the boss it's quite an interesting, I think, bit you've raised there about being judged on what I describe perhaps as more social and moral obligations, environmental, yep. for example, how you manage people, how you relate to people, how you treat them. How's the workplace or the expectation of backtracing that rather than workplace? How the the expectation of generations as they progress and come into them? How's that sort of? Do you perceive that sort of changing in both the workplace expectation, but also in the family setting um, expectations as well? Because obviously with farms, we're dealing often with the two as an overlapping or completely overlapping sort of concept. Very, very true. I mean, anybody who's ever worked in or as part of a family business knows that it can be either absolutely brilliant or a complete and utter nightmare. Um, 
because because of the family dynamic the biggest thing again going back to lead or follow you either sit back let things happen and then sort out the mess or you're a leader and if the head of the farm whoever he or she is if it's you listening to this you need to lead and you need to say i make the final decision we will sit down and we will talk calmly rationally like adults if you fall out and behave like a 12 year old go and get a job down the road this is this is not a family farm this is a business and for this family to thrive on the back of this business we need to behave like adults not 12 year olds so minor petty squabbles and grievances need to be left at the door and and it needs somebody with a backbone to strongly lead a family business um the flip side of that as you said other people entering the team on the farm and the workplace the generation post lockdown regard regardless of how easy it is for people like me from birmingham we tend to be quite blunt pragmatic we get on with it you know <laughs> stiff upper lip and all that um it's easy for us to say oh snowflakes but actually the truth is that i work 60 percent of my time in the education sector i have never in 23 years of working with well over 1 million teenagers seen a generation so badly affected and that's and it's sadly sadly will it's our fault it's our generation's fault because in if you look back in history any major catastrophe world crisis that's happened from wars to famine to pestilence to disease to tidal waves young people look to adults for the answers and during lockdown we were just as scared as and not knowing as everybody else so what do the young people do they withdraw yeah and they'll put on a good front but actually their self-confidence is crippling them i've now, noticed this quite a bit and i've noticed it talking to people on farm as well younger generations there's a real shyness sometimes of, of uh, so very comfortable with say technology for example but might oh, be quite yeah. uncomfortable with, uh, with actually a phone call. Um, and there's often a lot of anxiety <laughs> yeah. that, that people have about what's expected of them, how they're to do it. I mean, there's also great hope as well often and great ideas, um, but quite a lot of worry about you know, what maybe is perceived as damage being done by the past in terms of environmentally, for example, social, much more social awareness um 100% right i mean they they look at our generation and say why would i trust a politician why would i trust the police why would i um you know look what you've done to the planet uh, look what you've done to banking and finance look what you've done to the nhs look what you've done to the education sector look what you're doing look at what you're doing to farmers why should we trust adults and so they're coming into the workplace they're very what's the word as as, as you say they're very socially conscious they desperately like approval and there, there's always a top percentage who are awesome and a top a bottom percentage who are very very challenging but the truth is most young people have as you've suggested got the intellect the capability the resource they've got the technology to potentially change this world never seen since the industrial revolution but they might not and it won't because they're not good enough and it won't because they're not clever enough it'll be because they're more worried about being liked and fitting in than they are about dare risking failure by having a go so it's our generation to mentor them not necessarily manage them 
So when we say mental, what do we really mean? I mean, how do we actually, you know, particularly when you've got generational change on farm, I'm thinking about here, which is always a tricky thing. And it happens in very different ways between different businesses. Some it happens over a long period of time in a very planned way. Some it will happen suddenly because it might be a catastrophe, like, you know, uh, you know a, a generation passes away all of a sudden and there wasn't a preparation made. Um, it, it, you know, it can happen any way in between the, the two. How do we prepare these people and support them actually to develop those skills to be the real leaders of the future and to deal with these sorts of transitions on farm, this sort of change that, that businesses are facing and families face? It, it's about embracing change and including them and involving them in big decisions. And, you know, as a leader, sometimes you have to make a decision that the team don't like for the good of the farm but how many farmers do we know who go well this is the way we've always done it and which is the equivalent of sticking your head in the sand and waiting for things to go away um so we've we've got to be less belligerent less stubborn around change because over a third of the population in the uk is under the age of 22 or 23 i can't remember which one um and our parents you think of it as music, okay? Most people like music. We didn't like our parents' music and they didn't like ours. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I'm just I, thinking I, of the arguments that when I used to, if dad was taking me home from school, there's, I can't quite remember, I mean, you know, he'd have sort of, sort of classic FM on a Radio 3 and <laughs> I, I'd be thinking of some trashy 90s dance pop music. I would. <laughs> You, you see, I, I was just on the cusp there because I'm more of a 70s, 80s guy, and I think that's the best music ever made. Kids uh, actually, today... I, I, as, a, as I was born in the 80s, I actually, I wish I had actually been able to live <laughs> through the 80s aware of, anyway, but that's a digression. i do not not sure that listeners want to get into my music taste. I'm not sure it'll do me any favours. <laughs> the, the point being is that I listen to the top 40, you know, and think it's rubbish. And that's okay. I'm supposed to because I'm too old. This generation deserve their music, just as they have ideas that we may not like, but they might be the future of farming. And so we need to embrace their ideas. And if there's a general reason, why not talk it through with them? But why not have a go at some of them? Because they are coming. Change is happening. It's inevitable. Sure, stand still on the fast lane. See how that works out for you. Or you can lead. And you can actively plan to grow your team on the farm to include this generation. So deliberately make your farm have a social conscience. What is it doing in terms of working locally in the community or supporting good causes? And by the way, I, I've, I've been overwhelmed with what I've seen most farming communities do in the community. So, so impressive. Um, but, but they don't talk about it. Again, it's this this modesty getting in the way of the truth, assumptions getting in the way of the truth, fear of change getting in the way of what's true. What is true is that 99% of the time, farmers are probably the most capable entrepreneurs this country have got, and they need to start doing more of it. It'd be uh, one of the. I mean, it'd be it'd be it's great to hear it put in that way and to think about then what is possible. Uh, from. But one of the things about sort of motivating yourself and because, you know, in a lot of these businesses, you haven't got somebody else motivating you. 
Um, I don't think anybody feels particularly motivated by government. Farmers are often quite distant from their customers as well, because yeah. you have a very strange transactional relationship often with customers. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's sort of a business to business, but it also has an inverse business to consumers type of behavior sometimes because actually the customer often defines the quality, defines the pricing, the, a, a market is formed where there are lots of farmers as players, but relatively few buyers. It's a very bizarre way of, um, it's, it's a very, it's quite an unusual structure. Um, so you haven't got those natural sort of motivators that maybe you'd see in some other industries or ways of aspects of life. Like if in a, say a sports team, pretty clear what the motivator might be as part of that team yep. to beat the other team. You know. Um, how do you motivate yourself? What's the role of, for example, objectives? What are they? Um, because objectives also, you could slightly think, oh, that sounds a bit sort of managementy, sort of speaky, sort of, you know. Um, how do you motivate yourself, and what's the what what's what's the role of sort of goals? That that is actually a good question. I wish people would ask me that one more, uh, <laughs> because that this is this is my sweet spot, goal setting. Most people will have heard the expression smart goals or the term realistic and achievable goals. We're taught to set realistic goals by teachers, training courses, business management programs and leadership development programs. And yet when I started asking the question, why? Why are we setting smart goals? Why, why realistic goals? No one could actually pinpoint why nobody i've asked professors in business schools the whole thing on the mba and so i thought i better do my research then so because all my top achievers that i've interviewed 258 of them uh, will come on humor me and answer this question for me i know you'll know the answer out of 258 top achievers from all walks of life have incre achieved incredible things all over the world asking them the specific question how do you set goals how many of them do you think answered the question "Ooh, i set realistic and achievable goals Oh, I think possibly <laughs> zero set what might, I mean, realistic and yeah. achievable goals. This is, I mean, I set a realistic and achievable goal each morning, which is, you know, to be out of bed before eight o'clock on the basis that if you normally get out of bed at seven o'clock, it's easily met. Um, <laughs> you know, realistic and achievable goals. Um, you could be a little bit too realistic and achievable. Yep. Well, most top achievers, when I ask them, when I tell them that most people are being taught to set realistic goals for themselves, they laugh and they associate it with mediocrity. They said, why on earth would you want to be average, beige, vanilla? No, 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 no. He says, the fun in life is finding out what we're capable of, not settling for what we can do. And it is that fear I'm not, I won't say fearlessness, but I will say it's overcoming the fear of failure by having a reason why that's bigger than your insecurities and your fears. So um, a great example of this is actually a farmer. I, I gave a talk to the Farm Attractions Association last year, a wonderful, crazy bunch of farmers and really, really good who, who have either in part or wholly turned from um, either animal and livestock or agriculture to part or in whole doing a farm attraction in some way. And most of us have heard down south the big sheep. Now, the big sheep is a farm attraction. And the guy gave this remarkable talk. And I, it was so entertaining and witty. But he was saying, effectively, we were losing money 
and we were wondering how we were going to feed the sheep. Within five years, people were paying us to come to our farm and feed our sheep and pay for their parking of a car. And he said, now we've got one of the biggest farm attractions in Europe and people come and literally pay to do our farm for us. It's incredible. Um, there are farms all over the country doing the most innovative and diverse things. Um, there's a guy, oh, where is he? There's a farmer, I think it's over on the East Coast somewhere. He just got a corner of a field and with his equipment, old tractor tires and logs from trees he cut down, he turned it into a kind of a, a Rambo male machismo keep fit center and gym instructors and health and fitness instructors bring their clients to the farm and pay him to work out using the stuff he was going to get rid of. That sounds far too much yeah. like hard work. So, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm reeling after yesterday's quite mild gym session. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the point is this. Farming is changing. You know, cow sheds are being turned into vertical hydroponic agro centers and forgive by the way anyone listening to this is probably going well he got that wrong that that, that didn't that's not the right word but forgive me i'm not a farmer but i've in the last three years i've got so excited by seeing the incredible innovation and diversity and if you're prepared to look at your business on the farm and say what could we do it's all right to say what if it fails it'll probably well what if what if it works what if you become the game changer in your specific niche of the farming world because somebody has to why not why not us why not be you yeah how do you think those who go for really ch challenging uh goals things that certainly don't perhaps fall into the category of uh, realistic and achievable yeah um and they might be realistic in a sense because you make them realistic and they become achievable because you make them achievable. But on the surface, they maybe are, are not. Those people who are overcome, is it, uh, how do they deal with an event where they don't achieve it? Because that's perhaps ah. some, something that many of us might fear is is the fear of, I sort of hate the word failure because it's a, it's really quite a, it's, it's a very harsh word. And, and you, and it's a sort of almost a bit of an absolute and and you could like not quite mm -hmm. get there that's still quite good you know um okay. <clears throat> how do you the, how do you handle that as an individual this is this is a challenging statement okay uh, and i won't i won't hide from it i'm going to be honest but the bigger the goals you set you're still just as likely to get knockbacks falls failures and no one can protect us from that hurting but if we're going to fail occasionally doing realistic and achievable goals because that's life wouldn't you rather every now and again knock it out the park by having a go at truly what it is you want to do in life um i've been privileged that i've been able to go on an awful lot of adventures in my life i've had amazing experiences because i'm a kind of say yes to it kind of guy um and people come up to me and say how can i have an adventure i go Go on an adventure. Actually sign up for something. Stop watching Emmerdale and start writing the movie script if you want to be a film writer or if you want to go and work in a village in Africa. Sign up for it. Do it. Oh, and Farmers, here's a challenge. Book two holidays for you and your family next year. Commit. 
Oh gosh, this is a challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you yeah. know, they don't even have to, in many cases, apply to an HR department to approve the leave. <laughs> um, I mean, I actually, I, I do know one person who used to post to their neighbour um, farmer holiday brochures, um, which of course the guy's wife would pick up first, and it caused all sorts of problems. Uh, but it was a sort of subtle, hey guys, you take a holiday, you're doing well enough, you know, you're doing a good job, go yeah. for it. It's renowned. It's renowned, and again, it's because of oh no, my identity, the poor cows or the crops or oh, you know, the, it's it's time to look after you. It'll fall over if you're not in a good place. So instead of dreaming about having the time to have a holiday and almost proudly boasting about I'm too busy to have a holiday to your friends on Sunday lunch in the pub, how about saying I've booked two holidays? I'm going. I think you have to do the telling friends and family via social media now because you won't be in a pub on Sunday because you'll still be working I think that's the but, but it's within your gift as a grower to make uh, a farmer to make it happen isn't it that's kind of the, yeah. the, 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 the point is if you, you recognise the reason why you don't do it which is maybe you haven't got cover to feed stock or keep an eye on certain things manage what's going on so you find a way of empowering somebody else to do that for you for that gap and there's ways of see so you know, it's like if you if you know why you can't do it then you can find some solutions to it the most dangerous i suppose is is if you don't know why it is you can't go away and have a break then you can't find the solution to it well here's the thing i, I live in rural staffordshire uh, it's a big farming community and i know that they all socialize they all know each other really well great networkers farmers so I've discovered. Um, how how about do I don't know if this exists, right? But how about you network and get a little cooperative of three or four other farms who do what you do and understand what what you're doing, and you have a cooperative that enables you to work and resource everything together to enable you all to go off on holiday because they've got your back. And you've got their back when they go away. You know, it's, it, there's always ways to do it. But ha, it, it, and forgive, forgive me, Will, you'll have to remind me of the original question because I've kind of gone off form sideways now. What was the original question? There? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I've forgotten it as well by now. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, most of my questions come in my mind and they, they either come out or they disappear, you know. So I've got to look back through the transcript. But, oh, uh, sorry, <laughs> It was, it was how do you overcome the fear of so so number one is to commit you know, it's, it's easy it's easy to say for example i want to write a book loads of people are saying oh i've got a book in me well but i haven't got the time don't know how to write well i've could you write... said that but i've always then thought but i also think i mean i've got a book in me but i mean christ nobody would read it okay there's an assumption um <laughs> exactly it's a, it's a it's a massive assumption it's also my excuse for not writing it but you could write a page in 10 minutes and if you do one page every day so instead of getting up by eight get up at seven thirty, write one page as you're having your breakfast and this time next year show me the book we i i was told by my english teacher in high school you're not clever enough to write a book dave and I've written 30, five of them Amazon subject number ones. One page a day. Why? Because that's what the top achieving authors I interviewed said yeah. they did. Write a page a day. Write. They don't sort of sit down and go, right, today I'm going to write the whole book. You know, yeah. it, 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 it takes thought, it takes it takes inspiration to to do it. And and I think sometimes we get 
we we sort of see a um, a challenge when we think about the people who do it. We just assume that they just sort of do it, rolls off them, and actually it doesn't necessarily. Yeah. Uh, loads of writers have writer's block, but they're writers. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I sometimes have ploughing block. That is that when I'm out ploughing a field, I can't cope with the fact that I'm doing such a terrible job of it and have to stop. GPS uh, okay, okay. solved that one for me. I can now make it a straight line. You know, so it's not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> or you could do what Chris Akabusi says, and you could go and look into someone such as Peter Alderslade, who set massive goals. He was he was entering ploughing competitions, and he set a massive goal to be British champion. And he not only smashed that, he's number four in the world now. And, and it's funny you say, because I actually have a client who I work with a lot who's very, very good as a competitive ploughing matchman. And I send photos to him of what I'm doing and say, help, what am I doing wrong here? And then get great, you know, get great advice back. And, brilliant. you know, brilliant. it actually, it, it, it's it's not quite as bad as it, as it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> so how can, we, how can we avoid that fear of failure? Number one is to commit, fully commit. And I know this is semantics. It's just words. And some of you all go, oh, another trite statement. But but actually, remove the word try. You don't, don't try and do this to the best of your ability. Do it to the best of your ability. Because truly, most farmers I've met, when they do something to the best of their ability, they do it and they do it right. For and you. so commit look into people who have done it before you and ask them how they did it, how they think, how they behave. Um, have a big goal, something that excites you. Now, you, you were saying, you know, how big should you, because you, how, how are you going to cope with failure if you don't quite hit the mark? Well, here's the thing. Most really successful people I've interviewed, they don't achieve as many goals as everybody else. What most people do is set realistic goals, achieve lots of them, and then go straight on to the next thing without giving themselves any pats on the back because they knew that it was just realistic and achievable anyway. It's Top achievers happen whether they set it or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna, I'm forgive me, I'm plucking figures out of the air, but um, if a farm is doing, I don't know, 750k or a million a year, and you might say, okay, massive goal is up 25%. Let's go for that million or the 1.25 million turnover. Well, what a top achiever would do would say, okay, well, if we're doing 750, let's double it. Let's treble it. And let's actually plan to achieve that. Bearing in mind, I'll be perfectly happy if we only get it 25%, which was the original big goal. But by planning to do the big thing, you may or may not reach that, but you will annihilate 25% original big goal. When you think about really high achievers uh, mm -hmm. in terms of achieving those goals, big goals, advancing through change, dealing with it, leading. Yeah. What sort of support networks do those people use or what helps them? Because right. or are they islands? Very rarely are they islands. Even the ones who think they are, after a couple of questions, it's very evident they're not. Now, farmers are a great community, but they tend to relax in that community and socialise together. And even though you're good at sharing best practice, really good from what I've seen, there is one thing missing, and that is the willingness to say, I don't know. And 
if anybody's into their history, at the birth of the Industrial Revolution, there was a little group of very unusual people who at the time were seen as heretics because what they were thinking and saying, people literally wanted to burn them at the stake. Um, these people were called the Lunar Society. They called themselves the Lunatics. They later became something called the Enlightenment. And it went from the West Midlands in England to Edinburgh in Scotland to New York and Washington in America and all over the world, these groups started. If anybody knows these names, you will be impressed. If you don't, it will mean nothing. Uh, but the Enlightenment is a name that very much means, and it's, a, it's an extraordinary movement in the way of thinking and progress in yep. science, in philosophy, in um, a number of areas, and, and well worth researching. Well, there, thank you for that. So many, so many people pay lip service to it and to look into these people. Dalton, Galton, Darwin, Wedgwood, even Benjamin Franklin used to travel from America when he could for the meetings. These people built the lock system to enable water to travel and the canal system to move goods from inland to the ports. And that's why Britain gave birth to the Industrial Revolution. These men changed the world forever and they were no better than you or I or Will. All they did, all they did was meet on a regular basis as a little group of people who thought differently but all wanted to do big things for the betterment of society and they would share each other's problems or opportunities. They would brainstorm one of their challenges or opportunities towards their big goal and between meetings, this is the secret source, they would support each other and hold each other accountable to achieve those goals. Now, I don't know about farmers necessarily, but in every other walk of life industry, when chief exec groups who are full of imposter syndromes, um, but what I see are people too afraid to ask for support because they see it as a sign of weakness. Top achievers don't. Or they're afraid of accountability because if it goes wrong, they can get off the hook and not be blamed because they need approval. Really emotionally intelligent leaders and the top achievers I've interviewed, they seek support and accountability. They will deliberately meet with peers who are just as excited about massive goals as they are. Um, so farmers, why don't you meet in the pub for a couple of hours over a coffee or a beer, ask each other what it is you want to achieve, at each meeting, brainstorm a challenge or an opportunity you've got. Admit, I need help with this. What's what's what are your ideas? And then commit to actions between then and the next meeting. And between the meetings, all of you on the phone once a week to each other saying, have you done it? Have you done it? How can I help? The great thing Push each that, other. The great thing about that with top leaders is that's not a one-way path, is it? It's not that people are supporting them. It's also that they are supporting others as well. Absolutely. As part of that peer group. And yep. uh, so in part of that recognition that you need support, you also recognise other people do, and it might start the other way around. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. And that's quite a powerful thing because it's very easy to accept in yourself that you might need help if you're also willing to give help to other people who you see as being in a similar position, a similar stage in what they're trying to do and achieve and maybe facing similar challenges or maybe different challenges, but but on a similar level. Yeah. 100%. 100%. And, and don't, don't be afraid to say, I don't know, you know, going back to that Chris Akabusi quote, don't go and find someone in the world 
who is number one at the thing you want to do or be best at and ask them, how do you think? How do you behave? How did you do it? If someone came, if someone came to you, well, another farmer and said, well, four people have told me you're the go-to guy on this subject. Could I, could I buy you a coffee or come to the farm and I'll bring a couple of bottles of cider and we'll, can I ask how you think and behave when you're doing that thing? Cause I'd love to be better at it. Would you say yes or no? Uh, if it was cider, probably no, because I, although I come from Somerset, I just can't be cider, <laughs> but absolutely, coffee or beer, definitely yes. There you go. That's because we love it when people seek our opinion. It makes us feel valued, appreciated and significant. So why wouldn't... Uh, I can relate num- to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so do you think top achievers are any different? They're human beings. They love it. As long as you're going with them, to them sorry with a genuine desire to understand what they do they will be flattered and will everyone say yes no i've probably for 258 research interviews i've probably asked between four and five hundred top achievers they're busy or they don't understand or they think you're a hack journalist after a cheap story but those that say yes you get gold dust from i think we probably ought to draw to a close there because we we've uh i think yeah we've recorded for a bit longer than we often would uh but i think it's been brilliant discussion i've absolutely loved this uh i mean i you know not often talking about technical topics and it's great to actually talk about something a little bit more uh, sort of fundamental to to how we work and achieve as uh, as individuals so david thank you so much for joining us and um My i hope pleasure. listeners you've enjoyed it um for those of you who are listening and interested to, to look at this more, there's a variety of um, uh, other podcasts that David has produced with with Paul Harris and Real Success on the Future Farm Resilience website. And also, I think you produced some retraining materials on this as, as well. So there's more to go and have a look at there. Um, until next time, thank you very much for listening.